0: Thank you guys so much. It was what a great time of worship. Every song was just a message we need. Like if you haven't heard from the Holy Spirit already, probably need to listen better. That was amazing. Seriously. God picked every song for us to be able to sing together and just to hear him as He speaks to us. I'm so blessed to be your pastor. I want you to know that. I am. So good humbled and honored to do that. Our youth are gathering to go down with Pastor Josh and uh, our kids' XP's downstairs, nursery's functioning, everything's going, so very grateful. Plan on keeping it that way. I just want everybody to know I realize that the virus is, uh, you know, showing itself in tests. I want to also remind you that, uh, and I'm not making light of this, but the fatality rate is below 1%, and it's dropping, so don't let the numbers scare you in the sense of thinking that everyone's dying, uh, you know, it's going to get it. Again, I'm not making light of it. I'm simply trying to help us understand. Uh, I plan on keeping the church open regardless. People can come or not right now. Yeah. we did close for eight weeks early on because of my uh, I have a pastor over me and a headquarters that uh, I follow their direction on, and they told us to to follow those guidelines so during that time, I absolutely did a searching of my heart and asking God about you know where that balance is because we 're to submit to governing authorities we 're supposed to submit to those over us, but ultimately God, and so it 's that understanding what the Spirit of God is saying to you. How you follow him. And during that time, I saw that the world and even many in the church see gathering for worship as an elective. It's like if you choose to or not, if it's convenient or not. I don't mean that wrong, just hear me. Like it's, it's where, uh, if, if church fits into your schedule or whatever's going on, then we go to church. But the word of God teaches us that the gathering of the assembly is a necessity and a command of God. And so when, when I watched around me and I saw that like Home Depot's open and Walmart's open and uh, dollar store's open and you know, I'm being serious. I was like, God, this is crazy. This is wrong. And I felt very deeply convicted and I wrote my uh, district superintendent in them and said, I just want you to understand I'm submitted to this, but I am deeply convicted that we will not close the doors of the church and nobody has to come. No, I mean that very well. I mean, and if things get where we have to do all the other stuff, fine and dandy, I don't care, but I'm keeping the doors open and I'll be here by myself. I don't care, but I'm coming to worship God and I want y'all to know that as we go forward. Now things might get a little complicated in that going forward, but I understand that. But I feel deeply convicted by God to have God's house open. Last week, God blessed us with Teen Challenge and Springboard. Man, it was so amazing. (laughs) So humbled. I tell you what, that little girl that spoke up here just absolutely ripped my heart out, and uh, in a good way. And then to see what God did for her, and I thought, Lord, I have absolutely zero reason to ever look at my life in a negative light when I listen to that little child, yeah. and the fact that she had put her trust in Jesus just absolutely was amazing. So blessed by that. Um, And I began last week's service uh, with a little talk about a very brief mention of Martin Luther. And the reason I did is because of the significance of the date of October 31st. So I prayed about this, talked to the Lord, and I believe God's leading us to look in history for a moment because of the impact it has on us and the fact that the decisions you and I are making are going to have an effect on future history. Now, many people think this is the end times. I just want you to know that my personal convictions are, Jesus will come when God says so, and nobody knows but Him. I look at it like this. It may be the end days of America as we know it, but it's not, and I don't mean that because of the election. This has been going on a lot longer than this year. The destruction of our nation started way before the 60s. It became legal in the 60s to begin to remove God. But we were removing God from our nation long before the 60s. So let's not look at the current situation as the issue. The issue's been long coming because we turn to materialism away from God. The problem is the church. I'm glad there's three of us that agree. Seriously, the problem is the church. We, we've lost our mission and our focus. We've lost our biblical context in where we are. And it's not the first time the church has done this way back in the, I want to, I want everybody that's been raised Catholic or has Catholic ties or things to understand that I am not a Catholic basher. I want to speak God's truth and have us see the truth of who God is. I don't support any church. I support Jesus Christ and his church. Okay. I've told my leadership above me the day that this organization that we're a part of takes their focus off God's word and begins to incorporate cultural ideas. We're done. So I want you to know that I don't make any hesitation. I tell everybody I'm a Christian. That's the first thing. So when I talked about Martin Luther and the significance of the date of October 31st, 1517, which many of you may not even know about or understand, I want us to look at some history for a moment because of the application of Scripture of my life and yours. All right. So if you would just open your heart, you can fact check me anytime you want to on any of the stuff I say today. And I want you to. I want you to know what you believe. So when we look at Scripture, we'll find some things that are very interesting. Because Martin Luther was, uh, back in those days, in the 1500s and many years, in that time span, there were uh, people that were of the upper echelon of people, and peasants were the common folks, the poor, the needy. There were the haves and the have-nots, and the haves were very small in number compared to the have-nots. Martin Luther, his father, was a very wealthy man, and, and he had planned for Martin Luther to become a lawyer or a doctor, a dentist. And so Martin Luther began an educational system uh, high up in his education movement. He had a heart for God. They did go to church, and they were part of the church. During his experience of education, there became a huge storm. And Martin Luther was terrified for his life and said, Something is wrong, deeply wrong. God, if you get me out of this and I survive this storm, I will become a priest. God redeemed him and saved him. And he went right in and told his dad, I'm leaving this education and I'm following the priesthood and I'm going to become a priest in the Catholic Church, I'm talking about. So Martin Luther was good to his word and he committed himself. And he began to be educated. He received his bachelor's, then his master's, and he went into his doctoral studies. Because he was a very intelligent man and excelled in his studies, the church saw that, and he was uh, named a professor of biblical studies at one of the higher universities. During this time frame, um, Martin Luther was troubled inside and could not find peace. So he engaged in the monk lifestyle and began to join the fraternities of the monks and began to practice that living. The whole time he was studying and teaching, but the Spirit of God would not leave him alone. Thank you, Jesus. He's amazing. See, God's Word says that when we seek God with all of our heart, we will find Him. And Martin Luther was seeking God the only way he knew how, and that was through the church. Through studies, through knowledge and education, through things that he was told accessed God. And therefore, he did everything with great diligence, and his desire was to serve God fully. He became the professor of biblical studies. And during his studies... God began to challenge him because he began to teach in the book of Romans. Now remember, the Vatican's located in Rome, so the book of Romans is one of the more, you know, sought-after books by those who are in Catholicism. All right, so, God began to reveal some truth to Luther that would change his life, his beliefs, that would impact the church, and that would actually impact your and my life today. It's amazing. So this changing point came when this uh, corrupt Pope Leo X, again, look in your history, you don't have to take my word for it, Pope Leo X was a very materialistic, driven, corrupt individual, like many of the popes were. He wanted to rebuild St. Peter's Cathedral. And though the Vatican was one of the, and still today, one of the more wealthy places in the world, of course they didn't want to pay for it out of their pocket, So what he did, because he was the Pope, is he sent out an edict to all the churches that you would begin to pay indulgences. And in the letter that went out to all the cardinals, bishops, and priests throughout the Catholic Church and throughout the world, the edict that the Pope put forth told them that the people could pay an indulgence to have their sins forgiven, they could pay an indulgence to have future sins forgiven because they're going to sin again, and they know it. But if you pay this amount of money, those future sins will also be forgiven. No, I, I mean, it's, we can laugh, but it's serious. And you'll understand why that's so serious in a minute. Because you see also what they told them was that if you paid this amount, you could get your dead relatives out of purgatory into heaven. Purgatory doesn't exist, by the way, just so everybody knows. There's no such place. Alright, we need to know our Word of God, but we're not going to go there. I just want us... It's really, really important for us to hear all this and understand some things from history to what God's saying. Now, the reason why it was so easy for the people to follow these things and, and just do what they're told is because, by and large, the vast majority of people were uneducated and they couldn't even read. And the Scripture at that time was only written in Latin... And it was not in book form for people. There were books, but the Bible was not in book form for the common people. Only the clergy had the access to the Word of God. And therefore, all the people completely relied on the leaders of the church to tell them what God wanted. Therefore, the people became puppets spiritually, To whatever the church told them. Now you gotta think about it. If you thought that your grandma just died and she might not get into heaven, you're gonna squeeze whatever pennies together you can to ask God the permitter to get in. That's what happened. You knew how, y'all know how your week was last week. (laughs) Say, hey man, God's charging you with all that. Unless you give us some money, bring your money forward. People bring their money forward because they know how they lived. Okay, so you got to remember that because it's really important that as we understand, the absence of the knowledge of the Word of God created an environment where people were ignorant followers of whatever they were told. Now, when they are indoctrinated into the church, uh, and I did say indoctrinated. The people within the Catholic Church's system understand, because it is part of the catechismic teaching, that the Pope is God's mouthpiece to the world because his office is given through the lineage of Peter, whom Christ made the head of the church before he left. Therefore, the claim of the Catholic Church is the papacy sits in the seat of under Christ alone. No other authority is above the papacy except Christ. Now that's their teaching. This is why it's important for us to understand that. Because what that does is puts the word of God in subjection to the papacy. Therefore, the word of God is a second level in the hierarchy of the Catholic Church in ministering to to your life. Therefore, what he creates as an edict is more important to your life and mine than the Word of God in the Catholic teaching. Look it up. It's called papal supremacy. Okay, now it's important that we understand that because see, now Martin Luther is a priest, a Bible teacher, and he's serving God in this church and he gets this edict from the Pope saying... You're going to sell indulgences to the people. Now, the thing is, is God had already stirred Martin Luther's life because Martin Luther, when he, he was always an advocate, outspoken, well-spoken, educated man, he was sent to the Vatican on another mission where there was this conflicting issue between the monks and he went to appeal to the Pope and he was given an audience and he writes in his journals, this is before he even met Jesus, he says there is political corruption and poison in the Vatican. He saw the evils of the place as he saw the luxury those were living in, their dismissal of the needs of the people and the issues around them. So God had already given him revelation of the corruption that was before him. Now this edict comes down from the Pope and Martin Luther says, uh-uh, that is not biblical. Remember, he's a professor of the scriptures. And he's reading God's word and he says, this is nowhere in scripture that this is okay, permissible, or that God ever intended on anything like this. So in his study of the word of God, this is what he did. I'm gonna bring forth my, this is, I wanna translate it into us, into our modern world. So what Martin Luther did is he wrote, it's called his 95 thesis. So he did a post like we would on Facebook and he took it, to the church at um, the Wittenberg Castle, and he nailed it on the doorpost there, on the middle of the door, I should say. When he did this, see what that was was a public forum for debate. So it's no different than, well, a little different because Facebook's a little crazier because you're not face to face. But what this was was there was already a planned assembly of people. So Martin Luther strategically placed his thesis on the door of the church, the Castle Church. So that there would already be a gathering of people, and he was challenging those who brought the edict to debate him on scripture and the truth of the text of which they were asking. He stood in opposition to it, and as he did, listen, this is, it's so cool what God does, man. Martin Luther knew that if, because he was part of the system, that if he stood against the pope, that he faced excommunication from the church, which meant you're going to hell, there's no salvation for you. That he would be claimed a heretic, one who opposed God and all that he teaches. And that he literally would have a death sentence put out against his life. He knew that, for he was part of the system. And he nailed that to the wall and stood. The two main points of the thesis, of the 95 points that he was making in his debate, were this. The Bible is the central source of religious authority. And salvation is obtained through faith and not deeds. That's what he put. Now look, the cool thing is he did this October 31st, 1517. The debates began. Martin Luther was a writer and he began to write information and and stuff about the sources. And this teaching of the biblical truth began to stir an uprising amongst the people in the church, dividing clergy, bishops, cardinals, and impacting the Vatican. I was not okay. Martin Luther gets called forward to present his case before the Pope. He boldly goes forth and proclaims his case. He has multiple hearings and councils, and he is given a warning by the Pope that if he does not recant, dismiss, and remove all of his writings, and speak to the people that Rome is the final authority and the Pope is the supremacy. That he would be excommunicated And that he would face death This papal Bull was sent Which is their legal document Like a certified letter to you From the Pope to Martin Luther Martin Luther took that in the street and burned it <laughs> Yeah, I love it Now that wasn't a small thing, man You understand The Catholic Church ruled the world Because you see, the political leaders of the world also saw the papacy as supreme next to God, and therefore they were under the authority of the Pope as well. The papacy, if you know your history, got its position through political support in the beginning. So the kings of the world acknowledged the supremacy of the Pope. Now the Pope is over them. Crazy stuff. The edict goes forth. Martin Luther is sentenced for death. Martin Luther knows he's going to die. His friend kidnapped him. He didn't even know it was going to happen, and his friend kidnapped him and stuck him in the prison ward of the Wartburg Castle. Now, you know, I'm I'm just going to pause here, guys, because, see, things happen in our life that don't make any sense to us, but God's up to something. Martin Luther, when he was kidnapped, did not realize it was his friend, for he wasn't there. He sent a band of soldiers, massed, kidnapped Martin Luther and put him in prison. While he was in prison, no one knew he was there. What did Martin Luther do? He began to translate God's word from the Greek, not from the Latin Vulgate, from the original Greek, into the German language and he started in the New Testament for it was there that salvation is discovered. And in his writing and translation of the New Testament into the German language and he began to work his work and write his writings, the belief of God's word for salvation and the authority of Scripture began to take hold in Germany and the Reformation took place and the church was never the same. And what happened was the... the um, protestant church is the result of the reformation which were part of the protestant church there's two parties hmm interesting (laughs) catholic and protestant okay now stay with me i told you in the beginning this is not a catholic bash you can look in your word you can look in history and find the truth of what i'm talking about but let's see why martin Luther was willing to take the stand he took Biblically, when we look at the scriptures that he referenced and he referenced these in not only his 95 thesis but in his teachings as he went forward. We look in Romans chapter 1. By the way, Martin Luther received a salvation witness from the Holy Spirit one year after he put the thesis up. He believed the truth of scripture before he understood the truth of the relationship of God and the transformation of his heart. He wrote this. Now here it is. This is what Martin Luther discovered. It's in God's word. Romans chapter 1. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. Saving everyone who believes. You hear that? I mean it's simple. He's like wait a minute. Faith is what saves you. A revelation all of a sudden. You mean it's not doing all these things the church says I have to do? No. Faith in Christ, God's work, is what saves us. Romans 1 says that. The Jew first and also the Gentile. Wait a minute. It's for everybody. Not just the elect. Salvation is for anyone and everyone who would believe in the work of God through Jesus Christ by faith. God is good. Look, we're only in one verse and we're not even done with one verse. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentiles. Verse 17, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. A work of God, not a work of self. You see, like what the church was teaching is you had to do certain things to make yourself right before God. God's Word says it's a work that God does in us to make us right in His sight. There's nothing you and I can do to make ourselves right with God. That's why Jesus had to die. If we could have done it, Jesus would have never had to die. Faith in Him. God's work, not ours. I'm going back to the Scriptures. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. That's pretty easy to understand, isn't it? This work of God is completed from start to finish by faith. As the Scriptures say. Now remember, Paul's writing this. And he's referencing an Old Testament Scripture from the prophet Habakkuk. Check it out. This is what he says. As the Scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Amen. Wow, that's some good stuff, man. Yeah. So now it's like everything in his theological teaching from his hierarchy of education just got blown out of the water. The church was teaching untruth. They were teaching a convenience to the life they wanted to live rather than what God's word said. Yeah. Says. So the basis of his belief was found not only in the New Testament, but the Old Testament. Yep. And so now when we look at it, he, he referenced the, the quote from Isaiah in 64 in his writings and well as well. And this is the prophet, uh, the prophet Isaiah's prayer inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. And this verse right here, you've got to hear it, verse 6. It's great. We are all infected and impure with sin. Mm-hmm. Come on, when we display our righteous deeds... They are nothing but filthy rags. <laughs> That's God's word, right? So he's like, wow, how can I and we be teaching everybody that if you do this many things, you're going to be okay? You know how many people you've heard say to you like I have to me? I'm a good person. No, you're not. You are a corrupt, broken Sinner. And the only way that you can be good and live right is because what God does in us. Period. It's God's Word. Finishing that sixth verse, like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. Man, he was like, how did I see all that I believed, and now I see in God's Word something so contradictory to what I learned? I want you to know that I, I'm pretty solid believing that probably all of us have some theological and biblical filters that we've been taught are truth that really aren't biblical truth, but they've been church truths that we've been told that we've accepted and we live by because we don't want to offend God. This is why it's so critical for me and you to know what God's Word says. I'm not just asking you to read your Bible for five minutes a day, five days a week, which is like an embarrassment. Just so that you do something spiritual in your life. It's so that God can speak to you about who He is, what He expects of us, and how to have a relationship with Him. See, the problem in the United States and many other places in the world Is the church itself has ceased to preach the Word of God? Seriously. Places of higher education are beginning all across our nation to undermine the Word of God. They begin to say this is just an allegory. Well, we're reading someone else's mail. Well, it's not meant to be taken like it's literal. I'm talking about places of higher education that are teaching your clergy, your pastors, your priests, the people that are supposed to be leading God's people into relationship with them. They're being taught that the Word of God is, is fallible. See, the Word of God teaches us that good works are a good thing and necessary. Don't misunderstand this, but see, and, and Luther recognized this as well in his teaching. What he wrote was that good works are a product of a changed heart, not the other way around. Like good works don't change your heart. When your heart is changed, you do the good things you're called to do because you have this love relationship and love is the ministry that God gives to us. All right. So then, as Martin Luther began this relationship with Jesus and he began to preach this truth, he also saw the error of the church saying that the priest couldn 't get married because there 's no scripture to support that period and so he took a nun as a wife he did, and all of his uh, clergy fi- friends that were in the Reformation movement began to marry some of those nuns who were uh, reformed as well um, now I want you to know that it wasn't like um, he didn't just say, hey, I'm marrying you, just, hey, screw you to the Pope. Um, That's not what he was doing. He saw that was an error of Scripture and therefore he engaged in the relationship that God intended for us to have. There's only an elect few that God's Word says choose to live the eunuch lifestyle, which is you're not having a sexual relationship and not a spouse, and that's a gift that God only gives to a very few that are called to be single. And people are called to be single. But they're not mandated by the church to be single. Again, no God's word. So now, here's the issue that happens. And um, I need to hurry. Martin Luther only knew church the way he was taught it. Right? You know what I mean? Like, Like, if this is the first church you ever have gone to, then you think everybody does church like this. And they don't. All right, but see it's whatever is normal to you in the practice that's what you do, and so Martin Luther, when he had the Reformation happened, the Lutheran Church, now Lutherans would hate me for saying this, but the Lutheran Church resembles the Catholic Church really, really a lot, all right, like in the way they do service liturgy um they it's very different in how they do the Eucharist, but they do the Eucharist in all their services. So they do a lot of stuff that's very similar to the Catholic Church because he was trained that way to do church. Right. Now they taught differently, which is really important. Not all of them have stayed in line with that, of course. But the teaching was salvation in Christ alone, and no longer were you receiving forgiveness through the Eucharist, but that Christ was present, not in. See, the Catholic Church was teaching people that... that when the priest blesses the, the cup and the bread, it actually becomes the body of Christ and therefore you are physically receiving Christ and that's how you're forgiven. That's what's taught. You can look it up again. I'm not bashing things. It's God's Word, right, that we're talking about. And so Luther was like, no, that's not, that's not what God's Word teaches at all. Through faith alone. So he says, just do this in remembrance of me as often as you would. Therefore, God is present, absolutely, but He's not in. All right. So, let, yeah, it's okay. What, let's look at what God's saying. So, the the Lutheran church then became a very um, reformed Catholic church. We'll say it. That's probably the best way of saying it because that's what it's called. But see, once God's word was translated into the common language of people, the Spirit of God took control of the Reformation. This is awesome. And people began to be open to what God's word said and finally understanding what God's word says There was a snowball that began to happen that Martin Luther no longer had control of, nor was he leading. The Holy Spirit was. God was just looking for a vessel willing to make a stand. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. (laughs) See, the Holy Spirit began to take control, and the church has never been the same. There has been a move of God that's taken place. Now listen church, I want us to hear this because what happened through those 1,500 years of the corruption of the church and the manipulation of people has begun to impact the Protestant church as well. In the 503 years that we have existed in the Reformation period, we have had the Protestant churches begin to whittle away at the truth of what God says of the power of scripture and the power of God for salvation and faith alone and we even began as a church and I'm talking about churches that have embraced unbiblical teachings to make culture comfortable with the gospel we have embraced lies and deception and outright sin and told people they're okay God understands God's not okay but he does understand He's a merciful, loving God. But He's also a righteous God. And He's calling His church to awaken. Look, I I believe with all my heart, prior to any of this election stuff, way back, God has been calling His church to awaken. There's a stirring that God is desiring to have happen in us. And it has to happen in us. It can't happen in the world without it happening to us so get rid this is James 1 of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word that God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls that's God's word nothing the church can do I can't save you I have no ability to do that no church can no water can no bread and wine can only God can. Amen. And it's through Jesus Christ. And He says, God has planted His Word in you. It has the power to save you. But don't just listen to God's Word. Remember, we read this. Yes. You have to do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Yeah. Do you know how many people are in church today fooling themselves, thinking they're okay? Yeah. Humbly accept the Word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. So it has the power to save. The word doesn't save. Don't, mis- don't mistranslate that. See, the word God has planted in your soul has the power to save. So the truth has the power of salvation in it. But faith is what releases that power and actually saves us. That's God's word. That's not Dave's theology. That's God's theology, church. I'm pointing at my electronic Bible right here. All right. (laughs) (laughs) right. Matthew 13. (laughs) Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message, immediately receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's Word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's Word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out. Listen, church, by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. That's God's word. Isn't that amazing? So good. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good to us. See, the Reformation doctrine of salvation through Christ alone, by faith alone, Jesus teaches us this. Receive it inside of you. None of us have arrived at that fourth level yet or third or whatever that final level is right there. You understand that? Right? I mean, God's producing something through us. We need to have something being produced through us, in us, because of the Word of God and what God has done in our life. The jury's out as to what part of this parable you and I are in. That's not a fear thing. I'm, I mean, that's a reality thing. Jesus just said it. Just because you had a spiritual encounter with God in your past doesn't mean you are even alive in your relationship with Him. Don't rely on some feeling you had when you were six years old. If you don't know God today, you don't know Him. If God's not doing something in your life today, you need to wake up. It's God's Word, church. Church heard understood it will produce what's god saying to you what is he saying to you i'm not asking you what he just said to you through me i'm saying what is god saying to you if he did it through this great do you understand how that applies in your life right now what he's saying applies in your life do you know how it applies in your life right now are you applying it in your life These were not intended to be my action steps, but they are. What's happening as a result of this application of God's truth? What's happening? Look, the Word of God, Jesus said, that when the Word is planted and it's right there, something happens in and through that person that produces something for the glory of God. Therefore, is something happening in and through you that is producing glory to God. All right, Lord. We love you. Thank you, God. I thank you for men and women of God who have taken stands in history. Thank you, God. (laughs) God, we need a reformation in the church. We do. But, Lord, we can't do it. It has to be the Holy Spirit. You have to do it. God, convict me. I need conviction and change me God I confess to you that I need you Lord we don't want to just do church I don't want to just be a pastor I want you to know God I declare to you publicly humbly I'm wreck me Lord I'm all in (laughs) God uh, present ourselves to you today right here right now we present ourselves. If you will engage this prayer with me, please just present yourself to God. Say, Lord, I'm here. I'm yours. I'm all in. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Lord, convict us right now where we need conviction. Everyone in the room, online, those that will turn to the service later in the week, Holy Spirit, bring conviction. I want anybody listening to me right now, I want you to understand the conviction that the Holy Spirit brings is an uncomfortableness. Be obedient to that uncomfortableness. If the Spirit of God is calling you to come to the altar, come. Just come and meet with Him. Just come. If He wants you to just bow your head where you are, fine. Whatever. I just want you to meet with Him. He wants you to meet with Him. It doesn't matter what I want. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for this moment in time and history that we can come to You. Thank you for Your Word, God. We love You. It's in Christ's name we pray, Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for being here today. Hey, God's amazing praise you Lord thank you Jesus yeah you're dismissed those of you that are going with us to tombstone I'm looking at probably why don't we plan to have a kickstands up at right at 11 to get out of here so you have time to hit the restroom get yourselves ready god bless you today thanks so much for being here thank you Lord